section number three of the crystal crypt by philip k dick this librivox recording is in the public domain at dusk they met outside the gate the sun was soon to set and the air had turned thin and frigid it cut through their clothing like knives mara huddled against jan trembling and rubbing her bare arms well eric said did you both succeed Around them the peasants and merchants were pouring from the entrance, leaving the city to return to their farms and villages, starting the long trip back across the plain toward the hills beyond. None of them noticed the shivering girl and the young man and the old priest standing by the wall. "'Mine's in place,' Jan said, on the other side of the city, on the extreme edge, buried by a well. "'Mine's in the industrial section,' Mara whispered, her teeth chattering. Jan, give me something to put over me. I'm freezing. Good, Eric said. Then the three coils should trisect dead center if the models were correct. He looked up at the darkening sky. Already stars were beginning to show. Two dots the evening patrol moved slowly toward the horizon. Let's hurry. It won't be long. They joined the line of Martians moving along the road away from the city. Behind them the city was losing itself in the somber tones of night, its black spires disappearing into darkness. They walked silently with the country people until the flat ridge of dead trees became visible on the horizon. Then they left the road and turned off, walking toward the trees. "'Almost time,' Eric said. He increased his pace, looking back at Jan and Mara impatiently. "'Come on!' They hurried, making their way through the twilight stumbling over rocks and dead branches up the side of the ridge. At the top Eric halted, standing with his hands on his hips looking back. "'See,' he murmured, "'the city. The last time we'll ever see it this way.' "'Can I sit down?' Mara said. "'My feet hurt me.' Jan pulled at Eric's sleeve. "'Hurry, Eric, not much time left,' he laughed nervously. "'If everything goes right, we'll be able to look at it forever.' But not like this, Eric murmured. He squatted down, snapping his case open. He took some tubes and wiring out and assembled them together on the ground, at the peak of the ridge. A small pyramid of wire and plastic grew, shaped by his expert hands. At last he grunted, standing up. All right. Is it pointed directly at the city? Mara asked anxiously, looking down at the pyramid. Eric nodded. Yes, it's placed according. He stopped, suddenly stiffening. Get back! It's time! Hurry! Jan ran, down the far side of the slope, away from the city, pulling Mara with him. Eric came quickly after, still looking back at the distant spires, almost lost in the night sky. Down! Jan sprawled out, Mara beside him, her trembling body pressed against his. Eric settled down into the sand and dead branches, still trying to see. I want to see it, he murmured. A miracle. I want to see. A flash, a blinding burst of violet light lit up the sky. Eric clapped his hands over his eyes. The flash whitened, growing larger, expanding. Suddenly there was a roar, and a furious hot wind rushed past him, throwing him on his face in the sand. The hot dry wind licked and seared at them, crackling the bits of branches into flame. Mara and Jan shut their eyes, pressed tightly together. God! 
Eric muttered. The storm passed. They opened their eyes, slowly. The sky was still alive with fire, a drifting cloud of sparks that was beginning to dissipate with the night wind. Eric stood up unsteadily, helping Jan and Mara to their feet. The three of them stood, staring silently across the dark waste, the black plain, none of them speaking. The city was gone. At last Eric turned away. That part's done, he said. Now the rest. Give me a hand, Jan. There'll be a thousand patrol ships around here in a minute. I see one already, Mara said, pointing up. A spot winked in the sky, a rapidly moving spot. They're coming, Eric. There was a throb of chill fear in her voice. I know. Eric and Jan squatted on the ground around the pyramid of tubes and plastic, pulling the pyramid apart. The pyramid was fused, fused together like molten glass. Eric tore the pieces away with trembling fingers. From the remains of the pyramid he pulled something forth, something he held up high, trying to make it out in the darkness. Jan and Mara came close to see, both staring up intently, almost without breathing. "'There it is,' Eric said. "'There!' In his hand was a globe, a small transparent globe of glass. Within the glass something moved, something minute and fragile, spires almost too small to be seen, microscopic, a complex web swimming within the hollow glass globe, a web of spires, a city. Eric put the globe into the case and snapped it shut. Let's go, he said. They began to lope back through the trees, back the way they had come before. We'll change in the car, he said as they ran. I think we should keep these clothes on until we're actually inside the car. We still might encounter someone. I'll be glad to get my own clothing on again, Jan said. I feel funny in these little pants. How do you think I feel? Mara gasped. I'm freezing in this. What there is of it. All young Martian brides dress that way, Eric said. He clutched the case tightly as they ran. I think it looks fine. Thank you, Mara said, but it's cold. What do you suppose they'll think? Jan asked. They'll assume the city was destroyed, won't they? That's certain. Yes, Eric said. They'll be sure it was blown up. We can count on that. And it will be damn important to us that they think so. The car should be around here someplace, Mara said, slowing down. No, farther on, Eric said. Past that little hill over there, in the ravine by the trees. It's so hard to see where we are. Shall I light something? Jan said. No, there may be patrols around who— He halted abruptly. Jan and Mara stopped beside him. What? Mara began. A light glimmered. Something stirred in the darkness. There was a sound. Quick! Eric rasped. He dropped, throwing the case far away from him into the bushes. He straightened up tensely. A figure loomed up, moving through the darkness, and behind it came more figures, men, soldiers in uniform. The light flashed up brightly, blinding them. Eric closed his eyes. The light left him, touched Mara and Jan, standing silently together, clasping hands. Then it flicked down to the ground and around in a circle. A leiter stepped forward. A tall figure in black with his soldiers close behind him, their guns ready. You three, the leiter said. Who are you? Don't move. Stand where you are. 
He came up to Eric, peering at him intently, his hard Martian face without expression. He went all around Eric, examining his robes, his sleeves. "'Please,' Eric began in a quavering voice. But the Leiter cut him off. "'I'll do the talking. Who are you three? What are you doing here? Speak up!' "'We—we we are going back to our village,' Eric muttered, staring down, his hands folded. "'We were in the city, and now we are going home.' One of the officers spoke into a mouthpiece. He clicked it off and put it away. "'Come with me,' the Leiter said. "'We're taking you in. Hurry along.' "'In? Back to the city?' One of the soldiers laughed. <laughs> the city is gone, he said. All that's left of it you can put in the palm of your hand. But what happened? Mara said. No one knows. Come on, hurry it up. There was a sound. A soldier came quickly out of the darkness. A senior leiter, he said. Coming this way. He disappeared again. A senior leiter. The soldier stood waiting, standing at a respectful attention. A moment later the senior leiter stepped into the light, a black-clad old man, his ancient face thin and hard like a bird's, eyes bright and alert. He looked from Eric to Jan. "'Who are these people?' he demanded. "'Villagers going back home.' "'No, they're not. They don't stand like villagers. Villagers slump. Diet, poor food. These people are not villagers.' I myself came from the hills, and I know." He stepped close to Eric, looking keenly into his face. "'Who are you? Look at his chin. He never shaved with a sharpened stone. Something is wrong here.' In his hand a rod of pale fire flashed. "'The city is gone, and with it at least half the Leiter Council. It is very strange.' A flash, then heat and a wind, but it was not vision. I am puzzled. All at once the city has vanished. Nothing is left but a depression in the sand. We'll take them in, the other Leiter said. Soldiers, surround them. Make certain that— Run! Eric cried. He struck out, knocking the rod from the senior Leiter's hand. They were all running, soldiers shouting, flashing their lights, stumbling against each other in the darkness. Eric dropped to his knees, groping frantically in the bushes. His fingers closed over the handle of the case, and he leaped up. In Terran he shouted to Mara and Jan, "'Hurry! To the car! Run!' He set off down the slope, stumbling through the darkness. He could hear soldiers behind him, soldiers running and falling. A body collided against him, and he struck out. Some place behind him there was a hiss, and a section of the slope went up in flames. The Leiter's rod. "'Eric!' Mara cried from the darkness. He ran toward her. Suddenly he slipped, falling on a stone. Confusion and firing, the sound of excited voices. "'Eric, is that you?' Jan caught hold of him, helping him up. "'The car. It's over here. Where's Mara?' "'I'm here,' Mara's voice came. "'Over here, by the car!' A light flashed. A tree went up in a puff of fire and Eric felt the singe of the heat against his face. He and Jan made their way toward the girl. Mara's hand caught his in the darkness. "'Now the car,' Eric said, if they haven't got to it. He slid down the slope into the ravine, fumbling in the darkness, reaching and holding on to the handle of the case, reaching, reaching. 
He touched something cold and smooth. Metal, a metal door-handle. Relief flooded through him. I found it. Jan, get inside. Mara, come on. He pushed Jan past him into the car. Mara slipped in after Jan, her small, agile body crowding in beside him. Stop! a voice shouted from above. There's no use hiding in that ravine. We'll get you. Come up and— The sound of voices was drowned out by the roar of the car's motor. A moment later they shot into the darkness, the car rising into the air. Treetops broke and cracked under them as Eric turned the car from side to side, avoiding the groping shafts of pale light from below, the last furious thrusts from the two Leiters and their soldiers. Then they were away, above the trees, high in the air, gaining speed each moment, leaving the knot of Martians far behind. "'Toward Marsport,' Jan said to Eric. "'Right?' Eric nodded. "'Yes, we'll land outside the field in the hills. We can change back to our regular clothing there. Our commercial clothing—damn it, we'll be lucky if we can get there in time for the ship.' "'The last ship,' Mara whispered, her chest rising and falling. What if we don't get there in time?" Eric looked down at the leather case in his lap. "'We'll have to get there,' he murmured. "'We must!' For a long time there was silence. Thatcher stared at Erickson. The older man was leaning back in his chair, sipping a little of his drink. Mara and Jan were silent. "'So you didn't destroy the city,' Thatcher said. "'You didn't destroy it at all. You shrank it down and put it in a glass globe, in a paperweight. And now you're salesman again with a sample case of office supplies." Erickson smiled. He opened the briefcase, and reaching into it, he brought out the glass globe paperweight. He held it up, looking into it. Yes, we stole the city from the Martians. That's how we got by the lie detector. It was true that we knew nothing about a destroyed city. But why? Thatcher said. Why steal a city? Why not merely bomb it?" "'Ransom,' Mara said fervently, gazing into the globe, her dark eyes bright. Their biggest city, half of their council, in Eric's hand." "'Mars will have to do what Terra asks,' Erickson said. Now Terra will be able to make her commercial demands felt. Maybe there won't even be a war. Perhaps Terra will get her way without fighting." Still smiling, he put the globe back into the briefcase and locked it. "'Quite a story,' Thatcher said. "'What an amazing process! Reduction of size, a whole city, reduced to microscopic dimensions, amazing! No wonder you were able to escape. With such daring as that no one could hope to stop you.' He looked down at the briefcase on the floor. Underneath them the jets murmured and vibrated evenly as the ship moved through space toward distant Terra. "'We still have quite a way to go,' Jan said. "'You've heard our story, Thatcher. Why not tell us yours? What sort of line are you in? What's your business?' "'Yes,' Mara said. "'What do you do?' "'What do I do?' Thatcher said. "'Well, if you like, I'll show you.' He reached into his coat and brought out something, something that flashed and glinted, something slender, a rod of pale fire. The three stared at it. Sickened shock settled over them slowly. Thatcher held the rod loosely, calmly, pointing it at Erickson. We knew you three were on this ship, he said. There was no doubt of that. But we did not know what had become of the city. 
My theory was that the city had not been destroyed at all, that something else had happened to it. Council instruments measured a sudden loss of mass in that area, a decrease equal to the mass of the city. Somehow the city had been spirited away, not destroyed. But I could not convince the other council leaders of it. I had to follow you alone." Thatcher turned a little, nodding to the men sitting at the bar. The men rose at once, coming toward the table. A very interesting process you have. Mars will benefit a great deal from it. Perhaps it will even turn the tide in our favor. When we return to Marsport, I wish to begin work on it at once. And now, if you will please pass me the briefcase. End of Section 3 and End of The Crystal Crypt by Philip K. Dick